0: Brother Dick Williams and his wife Donna are here visiting us, and uh, what a what a, a a a privilege that is. They've been going, they've been a part of New Life for longer than I have. Uh, they've been going to New Life before I was ever here, and uh, uh, would come and visit. And our our brother Dick has always had a a uh, uh, just a. Uh, a special anointing to minister in word and in song and, and through the prophetic and, and he always comes to encourage and to uh, just to bring those uh, uh uh those special words and that or so so um uh, I know so many of us appreciate so much and so uh, would you please uh, give our brother Dick Williams a big new life welcome as he comes to minister.
1: presence is fullness of joy so wrote the psalmist in Psalm 84 how lovely are thy dwelling places my soul longs for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh cry for joy to the living God I said it to music a while back that (laughs) psalm. how lovely you are in your dwelling place, my soul longs for the courts of your praise, my heart and
2: my flesh
1: long to stand face to face with you, my king, in your dwelling place. I love thee, your dwelling place. The sparrow dwells high over tumult and test. Raising her young in her towering nest, As I come to your altar of praise and I bow, You inhabit my praise, and I'm raised here and now. How lovely a dwelling place, My heart is paved, pathway to Zion, my forerunner Jesus, by his grace divine, has given me access to praise Judas lion, he's prepared and made his dwelling place mine. How lovely your dwelling place, how lovely your dwelling place. God works the night shift. You give me songs in the night till the morning light breaks in on me. And the darkness gives way to the light of the day you promised I'd see. Meanwhile, with a smile in the dark I hearken your voice and rejoice at the sound of your song in the night. Sweet song and rejoice at the sound of your song in the night. We would do well at heart level to, on a regular basis, studiously survey the Gospels and perceive Jesus as one, our example of how to walk in utter total dependence upon the Holy Spirit and mirror the excellence and glory of God in purity and power. Our example but to also realize it's imperative we see him as our enabler. And what he modeled, by way of example, he manufactures in us and through us as we are given over to him as his people and his project. When he first comes in and we're born again, And our once upon a time stillborn spirit is awakened into resurrection newness. And we become judicially perfect in our position. We have a new nature created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And yet we have a soul that is in the process of desperately needing restoration. Our soul is our personality. The unique way in which we think, act, and feel has been classically defined as mind, will, and emotions, and I'm fine with that. But it has very often been rendered wreckage by just our history and the abuses and the misuses and the things that we've had happened to us and harbored. And even though very much solically we'll have the best of intentions, we've got a capacity to empathize, embrace a work ethic. But our soul desperately needs to receive the translation of the wealth that's been planted in our spirit and to become whole. He said, I would above all that you prosper, be in health. Even as your soul prospers, our spirit has been saved totally, and by that we are destined toward a heavenly destination. But in root, our soul is being saved, being delivered into wholeness as we turn ourselves over to Him who is our example to allow Him to manufacture and replicate the Lord who is perfectly imaged and mirrored in our spirit into our soul that would go forth out in expression. And yet, it'll have the mix of the debris, of our deficits, excesses, but that just lets folks know that we're human, like they are. But yet, our lampstands that radiate the light of life of the one who is the light of men. Ephesians 2.13 puts it this way. For it's God who works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. It is divine operation that calls for our cooperation that is producing in us the desire and empowerment to do what brings a smile to the Father's face. And he loves us anyway. He loves us anyway. He loves us amidst our worst screw-ups. Even among our proverbial Humpty Dumpties fall off the wall and a pile of smithereens. He can put us back together with Holy Ghost super glue and make us stronger than we were before and empathetic with those that have had similar falls. But there are certain things that are underscored, italicized in Scripture that are part of God's priority and passion. And when those become our common priority and passion, the result is the joy of the Lord. And it's joy that's beyond just emotion, although it's certainly felt in the wealth of emotion. It's joy that's beyond our ability to describe. It's joy unspeakable. And yet it is a joy that is our strength, our ability to endure With expectancy, even in the worst of adversity, our ability to dance and rejoice on the mountaintops of life. And it is that which sustains us with supernatural strength in the midst of a forlorn, sad, dark, fallen world. I know when my wife and I were courting back on a missions outreach back in 1970. We were a couple of California kids who barely knew one another, lived an hour from one another off of freeway or highway 101. And suddenly, in that missions trip, along with 40 other young people, every time we turned around, we found ourselves looking at one another. And we were getting along in years for baby boomers to still be single. I was almost 30, she was almost 27. That's not unusual these days for Gen Xers and Millennials. But back then, people were beginning to wonder, you know, what's wrong with you if you haven't been married then? <laughs> And I'd taken a certain kind of smugness in my singularity in my early and mid-twenties um, of the unofficial president of Bachelors for the Rapture. I thought it's simple to be single. I don't need any women complicating my life. Began to sense a vacancy and a void and hearing the lord say it's not good for a man to be alone and i thought i've read that somewhere he said yeah it's in my word and right now it is becoming true for you and i began to seek him with a new openness and the next thing you know there we were and we were ministering in copenhagen denmark which at that time was the porn capital of the world and we were there, a couple of California kids, in the pelting sleet and rain of that cold, penetrating climate, passing out tracks, and I was admiring just the steel temper of her spirit, <laughs> and yet at the same time, her tenderness and compassion toward people, the blend of toughness and tenderness. But there were times we'd steal away to a quaint little Denmark or Danish coffee shop to enjoy world-class coffee before it was here stateside. Uh, You couldn't find gourmet coffee here back during that time. I think a pioneer was our common friend John Bolton who started Salt Lake uh, Roasting Company in Salt Lake City. They thought he was crazy for doing it, but the Lord's prospered him in that. And I still drop in, Roger, to see John You know, most of the time when we're in town, and uh, he stops working to come over and see us. But for the most part, you just couldn't find gourmet coffee. You'd find it over there, and it was that patented pastry that uh, Danish folks are famous for. But we would begin an exchange of the heart, and we would find things we had in common. And we took a certain joy in one another's company as we began to... Harbor, a spirit of adventure we both had. We were we willing to live on the edge. We liked the same kinds of flavors of music and a lot of the same movies that we'd seen and people that we'd had in common. And there was this joy that formed in the midst of the bond that was occurring in a very condensed, fast courtship. I'm very careful of how I share the rapidity of our courtship in youth groups, but just the fact that God and his sovereignty can meet you on the other side of the world. Hallelujah. We'll talk about some things that bring passion and priority, that we adopt as our own, that God is working in us, and in those commonalities, we find the joy of the Lord, which is our strength quality number 1 worship John 4:23 the lord diligently seeks those who would worship him in spirit and in truth that is from our depths would worship him according to who he is and not some religious caricature and through jesus we're seeing the veil of legalism stripped away and we're beginning to see the face of his daddiness I'm a father daddy lord And worship is evoked from our heart. Greek word, most commonly translated worship, is proskuneo, which means a combination of yielded suppleness with kissing toward, with affection. It combines humility and affection. Getting kissing close with God, and yet with a reverential sense of his grandeur, and yet in a Uh, caught up beyond infatuation with his beauty worship some of the practical practices of faith to enter into God's presence in worship one is thanksgiving stop and be thankful enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart Lord My life circumstantially might be pretty sucky right now, but I just pause and I recognize that you are good. And I thank you for being so good. I thank you for times of divine intervention where I would have been croaked apart from you showing up on the scene or at least severely injured. I thank you for using me and the privilege of ministry and sometime in spite of myself I thank you for giving me capacities and giftings that I could never manufacture on my own. I thank you for your grace and your goodness, and I thank you for a hope in a future that I can expect your faithfulness to show up on the scene, even in the midst of the fiercest of battles. I thank you. Another important thing, it's not absolutely necessary. To come into God's presence. He is a spirit, those that worship Him in spirit and in truth, when we're born again, we are essentially spirit. And to speak in view of our spirit, which is in righteousness and holiness of the truth, which has stood in judicial perfection because of the blood of the Lamb, we stand in forgiveness and righteousness, but to allow the Lord to give us the capacity through the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the overflow of praying in the Spirit of a language that we don't know in the natural. And I know I'm touching kind of some tender ground and thin ice uh, in a situation or a reality that is controversial in many quadrants of the church and even those with Pentecostal and charismatic history that have largely neglected that. There's a fresh wave of that coming. When Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples in John 20, they were born again. But he told them to wait in the upper room for the baptism in the Spirit, which speaks of initiation and immersion, which speaks of that which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, suddenly rises as a gusher that permeates our soul, rises from us and falls upon us in power and might. Now, God deliver us from taking experiences that we've had and comparing ourselves with others with a sense of superiority because I don't know any way to frustrate and cancel the grace of God any more than that. Paul, he asks it rhetorically. A rhetorical question is, the answer is obvious. He says, do all speak with tongues? Of course not all speak with tongues. But he also adds, I would that you all speak with tongues and I speak with tongues more than you all And I'll tell you, folks, if something's in the book, I want it. There's things in the book I haven't come into yet. I haven't seen an angel yet. I've heard him sing. And the closest thing to it is if you get on YouTube and type in star song. It's a blend of music and light. But it's like it's in quadraphonic sound. And I've heard it on certain occasions. And I've had people see them alongside me while I was ministering. A young lady sitting over here saw one last night whispering in my ear and I've had that scene before. I've heard them sing as a backup trio. Or let me, let me retrace my steps. I was in a home group and they were singing as a backup trio but I didn't hear them. Two young Mormon girls did who were highly gifted in music and it spoke their language and it was the first time they'd had a supernatural experience like that And it gave me an opportunity to share with them afterwards. Mm -hmm. Taken up into the third heaven. I haven't had that happen to me. But I've got friends that have, but they don't sport it as some kind of superiority, but just an event that happened on course of knowing the Lord in greater intimacy in order to make him known. So we dare not take our experiences And flaunt them as some kind of license for superiority because we've experienced something that somebody else hasn't. And it's the tongues aren't the issue. The tongues are the baptism, our fullness, our permeation of the Spirit. It's like when I bought these shoes, the tongues came with. (laughs) And after I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was an empowering to witness. There was an empowering to prevail over sin patterns in my life. There were sensibilities and powers of discernment to view the scriptures with the depth and insight that I didn't have before, although I've known people that necessarily haven't come into that experience that have profound insights into the scripture. I've known those that haven't come into that experience that sweetly and in depth manifest the fruit of the spirit. And when we are born again, we're going to have as much of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, as we will ever have. But he will get more of us progressively. And one of those turning points is the baptism of the Spirit, which can be accompanied and is with the capacity to speak in a language that we haven't learned in the natural. I... isn't always right on immediately the heels of it Andrew Womack shares he came into the baptism of the spirit felt like liquid waves of love were coming over him but he didn't speak in tongues till three and a half weeks later my old singing partner Gary Phillips we were a duo back in the Jesus movement coffee house days it was the same with Gary but there is an empowering an empowering that is so important in these days. The Lord wants us to move as people of power, also purity and character. Let me tell you, gifts without character is like fire outside the stove. And I've known people that have had an experience with the baptism in the Spirit and have spoken fluidity and explosiveness in tongues that didn't maintain the recognition and humility of their source And they were flakier than (laughs) post-toasties. The important thing is knowing Jesus in an ever-increasing measure and being empowered increasingly to make him known. Hallelujah. I remember when it happened, for me it was probably about a year and a half after I'd been born again, I was very well grounded in the word. But I was saying, Lord, I keep hearing that I'm called to a supernatural life and lifestyle and I'm just not getting it. And I'm willing to do whatever. And it was that time I intersected the truth of the spirit that indwelt me as a well that would rise as a river and flow out from me in a dynamic like I had not known before. And it was just comparing myself with myself before this event and experience And afterwards, we dare not compare one another with one another. But sometimes somebody else's experience can inspire me. And I went and asked a friend of mine, who I knew was Pentecostal, but he manifested the fruit of the Spirit and a stability, had a walk with God that I so appreciated. This was Millard Parrish later, became a, a missionary to Africa. And I said, Millard, tell me something. What good is speaking in tongues? I hear people do it. I hear people that avoid it, like the plague. I've heard some say it's of the devil. What good is it? How does it enhance my relationship with Jesus? He said, "Dick, I wish more people would ask that question. It gives you a capacity to worship beyond just your English language. It doesn't replace it, doesn't replace it. It gives you an added channel in the network of the Holy Ghost to speak from your spirit to God's spirit in a way that bypasses your mind, but also an ability to pray in the spirit because you don't always know how to pray as you don't. doesn't replace your English dialogue with God. And he says there's times when people will bring a message in the assembling together of the redeemed and there'll be an interpretation by the spirit that operates similar to the gift of prophecy. And I said, okay, thanks for filling me in on that. That's desirable, it's in the book, I want it. Also, want to be able to raise the dead. I haven't done that yet. Andrew Womack has. I saw a baby raised from the dead at a conference in uh, Woodland Park, Colorado we were at in July. It was thrilling, just thrilling to see this distraught mom carrying that little, limp, non-breathing body up on the stage. Frantic and immediately the speakers stopping right there to camp around and in the name of Jesus and his finished work on the cross say by the stripes of the king this baby is healed we command breath to invade those little lungs and that baby began to breathe again resurrected right there in front of us I thought I saw it, it's in the book, I want it <laughs> hallelujah When it's my turn to meet Jesus face to face. I wouldn't mind doing it like Enoch.
2: <laughs>
1: God saying, hey, boy, you come this close. Might as well come up the rest of the way. We'll just bypass physical death. Otherwise, I'd just as soon die in my sleep and wake up in his presence. I don't consider myself a candidate for martyrdom, but if it comes to that, God will give me grace. <laughs> I wouldn't volunteer for it, to be straight on frank with you. Andrew used to say when he was stationed over in Vietnam, he says, hey, you know, if a rocket hits our barracks tonight, it means I get to die and be in the presence of Jesus. That was how he was thinking, you know, being in the midst of combat. Uh, We have a whole new perspective on life. And if it's in the book, we ought to want it. And I remember it was George Otis Sr. that ministered to me. He went through several scriptures that underscored some that I'd already known, some that I hadn't noticed. He said, Dick, the important thing is the fullness, the baptism in the Spirit. He indwells you. I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to impart this to you now in the name of Jesus. Is Jesus doing the baptism, I'm just a praying conduit, and he did. And I'll tell you, I felt just this welling up inside of a God consciousness and an empowerment. He says, okay, I sense what you're feeling. You now have a capacity, if you choose, to give him your tongue, your lips, your voice, and he will give utterance and shape a language that you have not learned in the natural. He said, you wanna give that a shot, you out on a limb? I said, I'll do anything at this point. And at first, it came out with kinda just this baby-like babbling, But after a few seconds, it began to take shape as a language. You know, it started out, tongue, lips, voice, by faith. I am, I am, I am, I am. What I just then said, interpretation, is God is a generous giver of good gifts. If you ask him for stone, he won't give you bread. If you ask him for fish, he won't give you a snake. And Jesus is the one who baptizes us unto power and discernment beyond what we had before. That's what I said. Now, I've been in settings where someone's given a message in tongues and someone's given an interpretation, but it also happened to have someone of another nationality that was hearing their native tongue spoken in the natural. There was one librarian, linguistic science, who had an archaic version of French that was spoken by a friend of mine and she said, you just said I love to sing the praises of the Lord in a language that I'm familiar with. We had a speaker from Kenya back in Thousand Oaks, California. And he um, heard someone with a tongue that spoke a message in tongue. He, says, stood up, he said, I grew up hearing that language. It's a dialect in Swahili. It said, come to the waters and drink for free of the overflowing artesian well. That's Jesus Christ. I said, wow, hallelujah. A friend that Roger and I have in common, Harry Deckard, he took uh, Steve Peters, who at that time later became the pastor of Chapel in the Pines. But at that time, Steve was a a wild and woolly, Holy Ghost-filled teenager. And he was with Harry, and he'd had this teaching. And suddenly, Steve, before Harry can stop him, runs and gets face-to-face with a Mexican guy and starts speaking in tongues right in the guy's face. And Harry's thinking, oh, my goodness. Turns out Steve was speaking in perfect, fluent Spanish, which he didn't know a word of except maybe sí, Señor. <laughs> and was speaking the gospel of the kingdom rule of King Jesus Christ, and the Mexican guy repented and received the king. Um... A friend of ours who was active in full gospel businessmen back in the Demas Shikarian age, uh, or fr- the father of a friend of ours, would go overseas and minister in South American churches and speak fluent Spanish, preaching, and he barely knew a handful of words in Spanish. So it's, you know, it's usable for the promotion of the kingdom and the glorification of Jesus Christ and the equipping of ourselves, it should not be a point of controversy. Once again, I say, if it's in the book, we should want it, we should seek it, but you're not a stepchild if you don't get it or don't arrive of it, and you're no less of a born-again believer if that's not in your repertoire of experiences. So can you hear what I'm saying and take it in for what it is? That it's desirable, it's not some mandatory thing, that makes you a red-headed stepchild if you don't have it. And if you happen to be graced with red hair, don't take offense to that. (laughs) Some of the most beautiful people I know (laughs) have that. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Worship blesses God. The proskuneo of the depth of affection and reverence and romance expressed worshipfully with the Lord of Lords blesses his heart And when we have that in common, the joy of the Lord becomes a happening. And his big old smile shines down through the sun of glory, burns away the fog of this world. The Lord loves love. That's a commandment, but it's also an enablement. And I used to try to conjure up love, especially for those people that I dislike. It was a study and frustration. The more I tried to force myself to love them, the more I wanted to punch their lights out. (laughs) I thought, what's wrong with this picture? The Lord said, you need to just receive my love for you, Dick. Stop trying to perform to earn it and recognize that I love you in the midst of your highs and lows. The The love of Jesus Christ in his blood says you are valuable to me. You are extravagantly loved. And that spirit of adoption that cries, Abba, Father, give it voice. I love you. Let me bounce you on my knee, son. I love you. And now you're released to reciprocate and love me. We love because he first loved us. And lo and behold, you are released to love people. And some of those that you wanted to punch out the day before. Some of those that in your flesh you wanted a Clint Eastwood anointing. (laughs) And... I. Clint's probably a nice guy if I knew him personally. But, you don't. Know, go ahead, make my day. There's no dirty hairy anointing in the kingdom. You just kind of grit your teeth and your gravel and speak like this. I also do Johnny Cash and John Wayne and Martin and Lewis, but that's another message, count your blessings. <laughs> You know you're getting a little age on you when everybody you impersonate is either dead or almost there. (laughs) I don't get invited to perform at my son's gatherings. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. He's so good. Perfectly legal to have fun in this business. If you don't learn to do it, you'll go crazy. I've been in itinerant ministry for 30 years and was pastoral 20 years before that. Goodness, I must have some mileage on me. <laughs> Pushing 80. Hallelujah. The Lord loves it when we love. I have my last birthday was in September. I turned 79, and my sons and my daughters in love, and my grandson got together and to experience my love just poured out toward them and their receiving of it over the years and their response of those endearing cards and the things they wrote with their own hands in it. And even my grandson, Action Jackson, writing just, you know, he's, he's got his, the ability with words and articulation and a literary anointing here approaching age 14 and seeing them love and enjoy one another. My two sons are one another's biggest friends, biggest fans and the best of friends. Thought they were gonna kill one another growing up. Thank God they didn't. They were highly competitive because of their differences. But they just, oh, they are are my favorite comedy team. And to watch them spin off of one another and the laughter that rang in that house, hallelujah. It's God enjoying his kids in a climate of love. It's an illustration, a microcosm of something that's multiplied in far greater grandeur relative to our Heavenly Father. The Lord loves it when we love. It's a command, and yet Jesus Christ is the dynamic of his own demands, and as we receive his love, he loves through us in ways that are miraculously patient and forbearing. Hallelujah. And we'll collide sometime with unforgiveness, and the Lord will say, you need to repent lay it down, send it away, don't attach a bungee cord, and know the freedom of forgiveness and the release of walking in love. The Lord loves faith. Jesus is jazzed over faith. He sees a Roman centurion say, all you got to do, Master, is speak the word. This guy had a revelation of Jesus as the ten-star general of the legions of the angelic hosts. And said, you say it, it happens, you don't even have to come into my abode. You just speak the word and my servants heal. Jesus says, wow, I haven't seen faith like that even in the house of Israel. It's interesting, the centurion was a Gentile who had not been religiously programmed. And so many people's problems with faith is they've been religiously programmed And they've seen a mean and vengeful God who demands performance or somebody that in order to teach them a lesson is going around randomly laying cancer on people and this kind of crowd. You know, the Lord does invade our trials and he'll teach us something, but it's mainly to teach us to trust. We are refined to rely on him and rise above the grip of those things that are trying to kill us. I've seen many more healings through my ministry and in my life since I got a grasp on that. They don't always get healed. But I believe it's God's will for everybody to get healed right now. And sometimes there's deficiencies and hang-ups in our faith that we haven't gotten it together yet. And we need not condemn ourselves but continue to grow in the revelation of God's goodness and power that he wants to bless and abundantly provide for us even more than we wanted. He is good. He is good. And to see that and to have the veil of religious caricatures stripped away, faith comes forward. We don't have to conjure it up. Faith comes forward, the ability to believe. This past year, I've been healed of AFib. I've been healed of uh, arthritis. You know, I've always exercised all my adult life But I tell you, I hit my push-ups with a vengeance when I said, by his stripes I have been healed. I mean, I feel like it, and we don't do something foolish, because he'll begin to call us to do something we couldn't do. But in my exercise repertoire every other day, I do literally hundreds of push-ups, and I superset them in between with dumbbells, you know, exercising. uh, Condense it all together in a circuit, takes about a half an hour. And when we're on the road, I don't take my dumbbells, but I've got tubing and handles and physical exercise profiteth little in comparison with godliness. Anything is small in comparison with godliness. But I began to get a revelation early on in my adult life. And the Lord said, you need to maintain your clay because you're gonna need it for a while. So take care of yourself. That's not condemnation or counsel to anybody. God gets around to dealing with us in various areas where we may have proneness toward addiction or excesses or laziness or what have you. We're all a work in progress. He catches the fish, then he cleans them. Thank God. <laughs> I'd have never gotten in the boat or even in the net. <laughs> uh, God loves faith. The Syrophoenician woman. Oh, Jesus almost jumped out of his skin with excitement. She was also a Gentile, by the way. Once again, once again, God deliver us from religious concepts and caricatures of God, but yield to the Spirit to strip away the veil of legalism and begin to see him as he is, perfect love and a God of hope that gives us expectation of a hope and a future And faith begins to be coming forward and embrace the grace of his word. The finished work of the cross has supplied everything we could ever need. Deliverance from oppression, depression, disease, and poverty. And we are learning to recognize that and appropriate it by faith and speak not what's just in our head, but the confession of the revelation in our heart, give it declaration, And it'll change the climate of the air around us. It settles the waves on the inside, affects us physically, releases in our brains, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin that quickens and brings health to our mortal body. There is a tremendous integral connection between how we think and our bodily being. And physicians in the West are just beginning to realize that Eastern physicians have known it for thousands of years. It's amazed how we suddenly start to begin to get it. But a merry heart does good like a medicine. When God spoke from spiritual substance and created natural substance, He spoke with a frequency. Words have a frequency or have a vibes. And anything He created have certain frequencies inherent in them. And he can get those on his frequency. And bring about healing. And when Jesus said. If God wanted to. He could make the rocks raise up. And praise him. He could literally do that. Just getting on that frequency. He can shape the molecules. And the atoms and the tongue of a jackass. And cause his hee-haw to become human-esque in its sound. And rebuke a prophet that was off base. So. He who spoke the universe into being and as we begin to speak from our heart's revelation it begins to bring into manifestation everything the cross has already provided. I've seen that abused with blab it and grab it, name it and claim it but that's when people have gotten off into things. If we are speaking to promote the kingdom and speaking health to enhance our ability to do that All these other things just follow after us and will be added to us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah. God loves it. Loves faith. He's jazzed over faith. He loves hilarious generosity. He loves a joyful giver. And we would begin to recognize that everything we have in financial substance, resource, talent it's on loan from God. When Limbaugh says that, he's more profound than he realizes. <laughs> we are stewards of what he is given. We are stewards of what he's given and when we have a spirit of, rel- of generosity, we release that. He multiplies it as seed in promoting the kingdom but it's going to come back to us in manifold forms there is a dynamic in tithing it's not some old covenant command it is a revelation it is taking the cream off of the top and saying lord i'm a steward of this i don't own it and it does not own me you're going to provide for me and by faith i sow this and i know you're going to bless others with it in advancing the kingdom And I'm not given to get, but I know in cause and effect, it's going to come back to me in manifold form. And we've seen it happen time and time and time again. We had plumbing problems in our house uh, uh, earlier in the year. Required thousands of dollars that we couldn't show in our bank account. God said, so more generously even than you've been doing. We did lousy math and budgetary practice but wonderful faith and that's not a, a, a um, slur on Dave Ramsey or violating the good principles that Dave gives because he's a very wise man in that regard but he's also a tither and extremely so and we gave over and above what we normally did and I'll tell you it was like Finances begin to come in from the four winds, more money in a condensed period of time than we'd ever seen it. And we needed it. Our cars, you know, are about to fall apart, and we do 45,000 miles a year in a car. We were able to to get that nice Kia Sorento, make a sizable down payment on it. And my old CRV with 240,000 miles on it is my tool around town car. It's paid for. It runs like a top. I'm grateful for that, too. If we weren't traveling in ministry, I'd probably buy those kinds of cars that have had one owner and been well cared for and just drive them till the wheels fall off. As it is, we travel and we need something fairly late model and dependable. So it's just uh, to each his own. God's got an assignment and a provision. He wants us to prosper. He's the God of more than enough. And that means different things to different people. He doesn't want us constantly staggering under the load of economic pressure. There will be seasons and valleys stuff testing, but as we by faith respond to it, he's able to supply all of our need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm going to stop and bring a few personal words of prophetic encouragement. That's edification, exhortation, and comfort. That is to build up, inspire, stir up, and soothe. Speak healing, and uh, there is uh, there are some right now that are being healed of arthritic conditions in their shoulder. Hallelujah! And if that's the case, whichever one it is, you can, in a very subtle way, without being exhibitionistic. Begin to do that. That's where I had it. I begin to do it. And I've seen a number of healings in that regard. You might try it afterwards. I'm not asking you to do handsprings on the sidewalk. <laughs> but, hallelujah! The Lord will often call us to do something that we couldn't do before as we are embracing the grace of the healing that's been provided through the cross of Jesus, by whose stripes we have been healed. He brings that into the present tense of terra firma, through our heart faith, the confession of our mouths that are in agreement with that, and quickens our mortal body by his resurrection life and power within. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, your name right here, the lady with the long dark hair and the black top. What's your first name? Karen, Karen did I speak over you already? You have before, years. All right. Well, it's about, time, it's about time we go for a rerun. It might be similar <laughs> to something that I said before. I know when God took Abraham out, he would tell him the same thing, but in expanded measure. Very studious when it comes to the word, very articulate literary writing ability, the ability to speak creatively, the ability to, with authenticity in the anointing, to counsel others in a way that's conversational, that brings them out and they know they can trust you because you're kind. God bless that to you. Praise the name of Jesus. What's your name right here? Lisa, you know, in the right ways you are one tough, steel-spirited gal. You've been kicked in the heart a lot of times. A lesser woman would have said, forget this, I'm fleeing the scene. But there was this abiding, tenacious faith in the Lord and you're coming through it and where there had been just rejection, especially in the early years and abuse. The Lord is ministering, setting you at liberty where you'd been bruised and you've got a heart for others to see them come into wholeness. You're just freely receive, freely giving, and you're coming into a ministry of mercy. Hallelujah. What's your name right here? Yes. Charles. Charles, highly contemplative. Intensely practical. I mean, you want to take spirituality and bring it down to where the rubber meets the road, the sandals, uh, touch the sand, or the boots kick the clods, whatever analogy may apply. And a genuine love, and a heart toward people and an ability to speak the salt of God's wisdom into situations. I see the Lord bringing promotion in your vocational and professional pursuits and doing that just so your lampstand will be on a higher plateau, which is the reason that you want it anyway. Sitting next to Charles is Laurie. Also a realist, but wonderfully intuitive and insightful as a visionary with your inner eyes grace to see between the lines of the natural and beyond its parameters with spiritual vision. It's kind of a sense of seeing what's going on in the spiritual realm in the kingdom of God and an ability to speak in accord with that and see the importation of his word. I saw you moving in prophetic evangelism even in situations with total strangers or in times of anointed, appointed, targeted encouragement to believers that you already know but you know things about them that you don't know in the natural and you don't try to wow them but you speak to them in accord with that with the Holy Ghost divine counseling brought in a conversational manner. Hallelujah. Kind of a similarity in amenities from over here. I don't know what's causing that. Uh, might have been that. I didn't eat a supercharged burrito this morning, so. Oh, that's what it was. Thanks for pointing that out, Roger. I went beyond my leash. Hallelujah. I was looking for my pick, I got it on me. <laughs> Ever do that? Where is that cell phone anyway? Donna, would you call my cell phone so I can find it? it? goes off in my hand.
2: That's
1: just because I'm omnidirectional sometime in my thinking. I'm a visionary. When I was younger, they thought I was a space case. I'm married to a detailed person who is anointed in details. I know where we're going. She knows where we're at. Between the two of us, we're one responsible adult. (laughs) Thank God for the blending of opposites. Hallelujah. What's your name right here? Jerry. Jerry, a congeniality about you. There's a warmth that comes forth from you like a fireplace. There is a tenderness. You're a Barnabas. You're a son of comfort. And you're able to speak that to people and they feel safe in opening up to you. Hallelujah. Who's this sitting next to Jerry? Evie. Evie? Amy. Amy, okay. Amy, a sense of just Holy Ghost bubble of joy. The water of life that pours forth from you, like Perrier. And there is just a genuine joy and an ability to speak to people with the dew of the very refreshment of heaven. And you're also a very strong intercessor who gets a sense of just how the Lord wants to deliver and free people and to begin to intercede in a course with Him and at times travail unto the birthing forth of their freedom. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of times these things will jump around with Holy Ghost dittos all over the room. I want to be a steward of the time this morning. Don't want to step on my court or trip over it here. The Lord loves it when we stop and thank Him. I love to be generous with my kids. And they usually remember to thank me. And I love it. That ministers to the Lord, thanksgiving. It ministers to Him, it's acknowledging His goodness and his gifting and the fact that we're blessed and we want him to know it. We can thank him in the midst of trial. We can say, Lord, right now I'm feeling a lament and I'm singing the blues, but I add the holy but. But God, who is all surpassing in power and rich in mercy, will have me walk in the land of the living. David would write that in a cave. Now, somebody can say, um, I know God's good to other people, but right now I'm miserable. But if it's right now I'm feeling miserable, but God's going to turn it around. It's all where you put your butt. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We're seated in heavenly places. Praise the Lord. <laughs> There's certain things I can say in some churches that I might not say in others. <laughs> I remember a time of I just needed to thankfully acknowledge his presence in the midst of trial, and he turned it completely around. He calmed my inner turmoil and waves and began to cause the raging waters of the storm around me to part and led us into a season of new beginnings. I dedicate this song to you if you find yourself in the midst of adversity. He shows you the way of escape which is to rely on His buoyancy and His wisdom and be refined to rely on Him and come forth with a whole new credential of refined faith and character and know that this too shall pass. Facing my days surrounded by the blues, oh but I know for certain I'm not gonna lose. Sooner or later Jesus Turns it around for me To get where I'm going Gotta walk through some rain Oh, but I know the sun is gonna shine bright again Sooner or later Turns it around for me Here in the furnace It's burning my bonds away like yodeling it's called the falsetto iron is forming in my soul turning into gold i learned that from barry mcguire brighter and pure day by day i was a warm-up act for him once back in the day i hear his word and my faith rises high. i got that aerial view i see deep and wide oh Got that from Dean Martin. Sooner or later, he turns it around for me. Hey, here in the furnace, it's burning my bonds away. And is forming in my soul, turning into gold, brighter and purer day by day. I almost hurt myself with that. (laughs) This chapter will end, but not the book. One day I'll take a blessed backward look as I sweetly remember how he turned it around for me. Sweetly remember. How he turned it around. Learned that from hanging out with the brothers. For me. By the way, there's CDs on the back there with a lot of these songs. There's a lot of cuts on them, and I keep the price down They're $10 each if you're inclined toward CDs. You can just make your own change, serve yourself. They're on that table to my rear left. But the important thing is take something home in your heart. Have an underscoring of what makes the heart of God delighted, what jazzes the heart of Jesus. That it is worship in spirit and truth. It is love, a perception of the love of God and reciprocating to Him and loving others. It is faith that works by love. It is joyfulness in giving. It's repentance that turns from our own way to His way, as with a prodigal. And it is being thankful even in the midst of adversity. Sooner or later, He turns it around. And I know it's going to be soon. For me. Now may God take these things in your spirit and bless them to your soul. Even in the process and on course of being wonderfully whole. Take those things in your spirit, take this truth and now hear it. He's working in you and I to produce those things that please him. And the next thing you know, this world's gravity, we defy and we mount upon eagles' wings. And the grandeur of his greatness, the joy we sing, and it's constantly going on as music in our heart that people, even in the world, begin to tune in and inquire of the hope that we harbor And exude, it is so needed. God empower each of us in a greater measure unto signs and wonders. God refine us in the purity of soul that characterizes the humility and compassion of Jesus Christ. As we are being manifestly conformed to his image in attitude and action. Hallelujah. God bless that to you. Pastor Trevor.
0: Praise God. Thank you so much, Brother Dick. What a, a wonderful uh, ministry. What a, in a time of encouragement. Um, let's just do this together. Let's just bow our heads and, and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word that was spoken. We ask God that you would uh, seal that onto our hearts. or That our desire would be to continue to bless you and make you happy in all of those things. Uh, Lord, we ask, God, that you would encourage our hearts and just uh, stir up in us uh, a a, a new level of faith as we uh, um, continue in the life that you've given us. Uh, Bless our brother. Bless this time. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you would like to, uh, I know uh, uh, Brother Dick and Donna would love to say hi. If you'd like uh, maybe a little bit of prayer, um, they'll be here for a few moments, and then they got to hit the road. But uh, God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend and a happy Veterans Day. God bless you. We'll see you next time.